Anyone ever grow up hearing or singing that song? Some of us might have. If you hadn't, it's okay. You didn't miss out. It's all right. And so, but anyways, I know I grew up singing that song. Anybody here for real? Anybody ever grow up hearing that or had sung that at some point? Right? It's a very popular song for some kids. You know, we grow up. It's a thing that we use, right, to teach people. But listen, I don't know. Uh, I'm pretty sure if we could take a minute, a lot of you would probably relate to some of those people in the video. Maybe it was you, or maybe you have somebody in your life that has done that, where you have seen them in this process. Maybe they've grown up in a faith, and maybe as the life continued on, the Sunday school answers weren't uh, good enough for some of the real world adult questions. And then, you know, or then it was a competition of information. Or maybe you thought of it, you had one idea of what it was, and then, and at some point, you walked away from it. I know this is for some parents, this is, this is their biggest fear that, you know, they, so for kids that grow up in the faith and they believe in something and then, oh no, then, then they wake up one day and it's not that anymore. And so I know how that, I, I've been there, you know, I've actually been like, a, a, you know, it's crazy to say, I want you guys to know, I mean, I've myself found myself, you know, in that process of wondering and looking, wait, is this really, is it really I've had to, and I've gone through that. And there's been, you know, so I just want you to know that if you ever experience those things, it's, it's okay, all right? It's, it's not the end of the world. In fact, I would recommend that there is something beautiful on the other side if you keep pushing forward. But so we, on a day like today, where it's you know, Easter Sunday, we typically talk about Jesus, which we will, all right? But we, I wanted to highlight this right here. Which, in this, I want to make a statement that for some of you, it's going to sound wrong. And I just need you to just bear with me, okay? So, I, I mean, you know, no one has any projectiles, no eggs to be thrown or nothing, I'm assuming. Because I'm telling you, if you're a believer in Christ, it's going to sound wrong. But just hang in there with me. And here's the statement that I want to make today. Is that the foundation of the Christian faith is not the Bible. When you ask this question... To anyone and say, what is the foundation of the Christian faith? Well, so it's the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E, it's the book for me. And like, you know, uh, right? Jesus loved me. Yes, I know. Because the Bible told me so, right? And so that is the foundation of my faith. And I'm going to argue today and make the point that it's wrong. The foundation of the Christian faith is not a book. In fact, I'm going to show you later today something better than that. It's something better. Now, here's why, guys, the foundation of the Christian faith should not be, all right, the Bible. And so I, I'm, I'm already loving this because half y'all look confused as I don't know what. And so I'm loving this so far. Anyways, track with me, track with me. Here's the thing I want you to consider. For 300 years after Jesus rose from the grave, did you know that the first church did not have the Bible in the way we had the Bible? And so how for over 300 years did this faith, did this movement thrive? How did this movement survive despite the Jewish temple trying to come against the system? Despite the Rome, the largest and most powerful nation and army in the world, how did this ragtag group of who-know-whats, of no-ones, stand against all of that and they never had the Bible the way we had the Bible? We didn't get it the way it looks like today, bound and wrapped and organized, categorized, for almost 300 years after Jesus. Now, they, they might have had elements of it, maybe some of the Old, Old Testament scriptures, maybe a letter here and there. Some of these early church had other letters, other documents that are not included in this Bible. So how did their faith thrive? I'll tell you why, because it wasn't in a book. 
It wasn't something better than that. But here's the thing. A lot of times we tell kids and, and, and kids, people grow up and they place their faith in this and says, I believe I'm a Christian. Why? Well, because Jesus loved me. This I know because the, the Bible told me so. But if you ask most Christians and you do not have to raise your hand, I will save you the embarrassment. You ready? If we could do a poll right now and ask any Christian, all the Christians in the room, how many of you have read all that's in the Bible? Most Christians will admit to you. They have not. So let's just take a pause. How silly, though, for some people to say, yeah, I believe in the word of God, yet I've not read all of it. I mean, would we do any, would we do that in any circumstance? Yeah, you know what? Sign that contract. You know, it's okay. You don't have to read it. You know, I was like, pass the bill before you read it. All right, or whatever, like all that nonsense. I was like, would we do that? No, it doesn't make sense. Yet every year, every time, we have so many people that say, yeah, I believe in what's in here. And the thing is, they go all in. They go all in to the Bible, yet they have not read all that is in it. And that's silly. And here's what happens. You know, I want you guys to know that 80%, this is a crazy stat, 80% of high schoolers, teenagers that grow up in the faith, 80%, when they go into college, they abandon their faith. Almost 80. That, I mean, as a dad, that bothers me. And this should bother any one of us. That so many people knowing the truth that they walk away from it. Why do they walk away from it? Because they have placed all of their faith in a book that they have never read. They've, well, it's just, they told me to trust it. They told me to believe everything that's in it, even though I've never read all that's in it. And then they'll have a professor pick something and highlight. Or they'll, have, they'll read a book, hear a podcast, watch a movie. And they bring up a very compelling, emotional, even logical and reasonable opposition. And then they'll say, wait, that's in there? I, 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 don't, I don't know how to respond to that. And here's the thing. And a lot of Christians will they'll go to the point and say, wait, if there's one thing in here that I can't trust, then what else is in here that I can't trust? That's logical. That's, that's reasonable. If there's one thing in here that's wrong, then it's reasonable to think that what else in here is wrong. So maybe this is not what I thought it was. Maybe there's something else. And that's what happens when you place all of your eggs in one basket. You guys ever heard of that phrase, right? I know we got a couple baskets here you can kind of see. Have you ever heard of that? Like, hey, don't play, isn't the, the advice, don't put all of your eggs in one basket, right? And by the way, that's good advice, right? Why shouldn't you put all of your eggs in one basket? That's good financial advice, right? You know, don't put all of your resources in, because don't put all your money in one bank, because if that bank goes down, you're broke, right? Don't put all of your investment into one thing, because if that's all you do and that goes down, you're done, right? I mean, there's so many people right now, even on Instagram, that there are these Instagram famous people, that Instagram went down for like 24 hours and the world panicked, all right? Who was, I don't know if anybody here was like that, right? And so there were so many people that if Instagram disappeared tomorrow, all of these people would have to start all over because they're all in only on one platform and not on anything else. And so it is good financial advice to not put all of your eggs in one basket, but that is bad faith advice. That's bad faith advice to put all of your eggs not to put all of your eggs, excuse me, in the wrong basket. The thing is that everybody, a lot of believers have put all of their eggs in the wrong basket. Here's what they've done. They put their eggs in the Bible basket. A lot of believers have put their faith, all their faith eggs in the Bible basket. And then when one thing seems to be like, oh, I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know if I can trust that. Wow, that guy made a really compelling case. I guess there are in, 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 you know, inaccuracies. I guess there is some. Okay, well, I didn't, 
I didn't know that. And just like a house of cards, if you've ever done that, you pull one card, the whole thing collapses. And that's what happens when you put all of your faith in the Bible basket. But I believe there's another basket that we should go all in on. And that's the one we're going to talk about today. In fact, as Christians, I just kind of want to say, what if those of you, you've put, you're a believer in Christ, but man, you got your eggs in the wrong basket. I'm going to challenge you. What if being a Christian is more than what you have been experiencing and thinking is possible? There's some people here who have lost faith. And maybe, you know, you've kind of made your way back around today and just kind of wondering, you know, how can I find my way back? I've, I tried it. I've gone here and there. And, and now I'm kind of wondering if there's a way back. And, and some of you have probably have lost your faith because maybe you didn't understand something that was in here. Or maybe you interacted with somebody who misrepresented something that was and that they didn't even understand. And you lack faith because of it. And I understand why. And maybe some of you, not just lost it, but maybe you lack it because of just certain things. I'm like, well, I don't know what to do with that. I don't know what to do with that. Now, I, I want to tell you something. Just, I have to say this because just before anybody else, again, you know, sends me an email and tries to get me fired or whatever. Listen, okay? I am, because I say that the foundation of the Christian faith is not the Bible, I am not saying that the Bible is not important. In fact, I can stand right now and tell you, any argument that anyone has ever had against, you know, religion, against thought, about God, about this, about the Bible. Listen, it's all old news. And I mean, the, anything that is brought up today has literally been brought up every generation. The same questions rise up, just said differently. And there have been answered, every single generation, all answered. And so no, there is nothing, there is nothing in this Bible that cannot be refuted. Everything, I believe it. And you, with enough time, with enough time, we can look at archaeological evidence, historical evidence, both Christians and secular scholars, and we can prove everything that's in the Bible is 99, and even with the translations, which is proven to be like 99% accurate about the original thing. So there is time. The Bible can be defended, but to defend it, you need time to talk about it. And you have to have interest on the other side. Somebody has to be interested in the conversation. Without those two, you really can't do that. But again, it's okay because the foundation of our faith is not the Bible. It's something better than that. And I'm not the only one who said it. This is not my idea. All right? Jesus said it. Okay? And two other people too, Paul and Peter. They all said the foundation of the Christian faith is not the Bible. And so the, what I want to argue today is what if some of you, again, what if you as Christians, what if being a Christian is more than what you thought? What if some of you, maybe you've either walked away from, you thought you were walking away from a faith, but you really walked away from a book? And what if you walked away from the very thing that you went out looking for? And what if, and what if for some of you that are still on the fence and waiting and, you know, reserved to make that final, what if you don't have to go all in to the one thing that's holding you back? And so let's look at that today. We're going to start, like I said, if, I'm, if we're going to make such a bold statement to say that the Bible is not the foundation of the Christian faith, I need to start with Jesus. Because you can't be, I mean, you can't be mad at Jesus, right? I mean, it, Jesus said it. And so don't shoot the messenger, right? Jesus said it. So let's check this out. Uh, let's go to the first, let's look at John, the, uh, the apostle in the gospel of John, 
Here we see in John 5, 39, Jesus says this to a group of, uh, to a group of uh, Pharisees and religious scholars. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Simple phrase, simple conversation that Jesus has. Now, let me just tell you who he's talking to. He is talking to the excuse me, a group of religious scholars, if there was anyone that would know what was in the Bible, it was the people that God was talking to, or Jesus was talking to in this moment. Now, the scriptures, when Jesus mentions the scriptures, he is talking about this side of it, the fatter side, the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, or what people call the Hebrew Bible. So Jesus is talking to them, and by the way, I want you to see how this is. These scholars knew everything. They're not like some Christians today that they believe in all of it, but you haven't read it. Uh, these guys not only read it, these scholars, in fact, had to memorize this whole word for word. They couldn't miss one paragraph. They couldn't miss one dot, one comma. They would memorize this thing. If there was anyone that, would, that knew what was in it, it was these guys. And yet Jesus rebukes them. Jesus says to them, you search the scriptures. What? Because you think, because you think that in the scriptures there's eternal life, that in information it's going to be good. These guys were so consumed with knowing all that is in there. They were so big on doing right and wrong. Well, God said you got to do this and not that. It's this and that. And they were huge on rule following and making sure they were good based on their behavior, based on their attitudes, based on their actions, you know, well-intended. But they went through all of it, and they were saying, you look through it because you think in them there's eternal life. But he says, it is they, though, that bear witness about me. So he is saying, look, there's not eternal life in this book. In fact, these scriptures are like a signpost. These, script, these scriptures are, you know, are to help you point you in the right direction. And Jesus is saying, that direction was me. The old, all these prophecies, all the, the things that these Jewish scriptures and these guys were, they were believing that a Messiah was going to come one day. In fact, Jews still today believe that that Messiah hasn't come and they're still waiting for the Messiah. And Jesus is saying, listen, all of those that you've been reading, you thought that in information it's good enough, but no, 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 it's, it's not. You can have, and I, this is a crazy statement. So, so pretty much I want you to know, you can know every single story of the Bible, yet still miss the point of the Bible. I'm talking, you know, let me just talk to Christians for a second here, all right? Let me, you can literally quote verse, verbatim, you can know every single story in the Bible, yet miss the whole point of what is the purpose of the Bible. Because in the Bible, there's not eternal life. It says they bear witness about me. They point to me, to where is true life. It's not in a book. It's in a person. It's different. It's better. In fact, so let me show you, not only does Jesus say that the foundation of the Christian faith is not the scriptures, because that's what that statement was, let's look at Paul. Now, Paul was one, he was one of those that would have been in this group that maybe Jesus was talking to. Paul used to believe he was one of these Pharisees. He was called the Pharisee of the Pharisees, the best of the best. He was the best rule follower, the smartest dude in the bunch. This guy was a genius. And this guy knew it all. And he thought he was serving God by trying to, because when he heard what this Jesus was talking about and what these Christians were doing, it was such an insult. It was like, no, this is a perversion. This isn't the truth. And he tried to stamp and stomp out this, mes this message. That was his mission. But instead, he came to encounter not an argument, 
not an idea. He saw the risen Jesus face to face, and he was never the same again. And so now Paul spends the rest of his life encouraging Christians, encouraging believers, telling them about this, what Jesus has done, who he is. And in this one letter to this church in Corinth, all right, which is a Greek city, look what he says to this group, which I'm, telling, I'm going to relay to you now. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul is telling this church in Corinth, this is years after, this is years after Jesus' resurrection, all right? He goes and he says this amazing statement. Now, I want to remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you, the good news, the message of Jesus, which you have received, in which you stand, by which you are being saved. And if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believe in, what's that word? It starts with a V. Vain. Vain. We're going to keep going. Watch this. For I, verse 3, for I delivered you as of first importance what I also received. So I'm telling you what I've heard. I'm sharing you what I've gotten. That Christ died for our sins in, a, in accordance with the what? Scripture. So, okay. So here are the scriptures now. Again, Old Testament though, not new. Paul doesn't know he's writing something that's going to be included in the Bible. He's just writing a letter, you know, inspired by the Holy Spirit. So he's saying, look, we've seen that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he'd be raised up on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So Paul is literally repeating what Jesus said. Hey, everything. Now I, I knew it all, yet I missed it. I couldn't see it. It's like, look, I know we all have somebody in the room. In this case, it's me, all right, where uh, my wife sends me to go look for something. And it's like, like, where? Like, where? where? I, don't, I don't see it. It's like, I, it's right there. I'm like, no, it's not. Like, where'd it go? And then she steps in, and within two seconds, there it is, right, staring right in front of me. And I've been like just, oh, okay. Like, you know, I've done that. I hate, I hate the feeling of going to a store and, and like I'm looking for something in like Publix or Walmart or whatever, and I'm knowing I'm in the right aisle, but I know, it's like I can't find it. Like, where is it? And then finally some person says, dude, it's like, thank you. Okay. And, and you feel like the biggest idiot in the world. Like, that's me. I feel like the biggest idiot in the world every time that happens because it's like, dude, it's right there. Like, right there. You feel dumb. I was like, Sorry, you know, just kind of then walk out of there, just kind of whatever. Listen, that's what Paul, and that's what all these people are saying. Look, I, we had it, and we would see it, but we missed it. The scriptures this whole time when Jesus did what he did, they were like, oh, that's what that meant. Oh, that's what he was talking about. Now, how could I have missed it? And how could I have missed it? And so Paul is looking back and saying, yeah, look, guys, it's been there for thousands of years. It's been there this whole time. He, they were warning. He was telling us what was going to happen, and it happened. But then he says this crazy statement in verse 14. Check it out. Let's go to the next one. It says, look, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and our faith is in what? There it is three times. In this one chapter, he used the word vain. If you've never used the word vain, it means pointless, worthless. So he's saying, listen, I just want to talk to you about something. Make sure you get it. Because if not, then you're going to believe in something that just doesn't make sense. And you know what? I'll tell you now. And he'll be the first to say, and guys, if Jesus never rose from the grave, let's just pack up shop. Okay? Let's just find something else to do. All right? Throw away the Bible. The Bible is pointless. All right? If literally Jesus did not raise from the dead, this is just like any other book. Nothing. That's what he is saying. He is putting all of his eggs in a different basket. That's not the Bible. It's a different one. 
Because he's saying without the resurrection, there's nothing. We have nothing. Let's go play golf. Right? I don't know. Might as well waste the time because I don't know what else is going to do. I mean, he put it all outside of the scriptures, outside of the Bible. Now, Jesus was one to say that the foundation of the Christian faith is not the Bible. Paul said it, but so did Peter. Now, Paul was probably the smartest of the group. Peter was the most raw, you know, of the gritting of the group, all right? This guy was everybody, you know, man's man. He's the one who always acted first, then thought about it later. He was always the one sticking his, you know, big foot in his mouth and all that. This, is, this was Peter. And Peter was one, again, who after, after Jesus rose from the grave, or actually when he was arrested, Peter bailed out on his best friend. Bailed out on his best friend. Regretted it. Felt horrible. And here he is. Jesus then reconciles him. Jesus forgives him. Right, But then at one point, we find Peter later on back doing what he was doing before he met Jesus. He went back to fishing. He said, you know what? I guess I, guess I got to find something else to do with my life because I've wasted it. I, I just got to do it. Not that fishing is a waste of time because it's not. All right. So anyways, but, you know, he goes and says, I, I just got to do what I know. And I was like, I, I, what else can I do? There's nothing else to my life now. And Jesus goes after him and brings him back. And so Peter now says this amazing statement in his first letter. Peter has two letters that he writes to two different churches. And uh, here in his first letter, chapter 1, verse 3, look what Peter says. Right? Let's see if you've caught, caught a theme so far. All right. Oh, missed it. Uh, let's see if you've caught this theme so far. Here he says, I've lost it. Okay. Here he says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to... His great mercy, right, that he caused, what? Caused us to be born again to a living hope, what? Through the resurrection of Jesus from the grave, okay? Now, again, Peter is saying something completely different again. Peter is saying, hey, the foundation of our faith is not, the foundation of our faith is not the Bible. It's in something else. It's not in a book. It's in someone. And here, look at these words he's using. Okay, according to his great mercy that he caused us, look at these words to be born again, living hope. Why does he use the word living hope? Because we have a living Savior. Okay, why does he use the phrase being born again, having a second shot at life? How can he say that? Is because he saw and met his best friend, who was murdered a weekend later was having a fish fry on the beach. I'm like, what is this? And so that's what happened with him. And so he's like, hey, if Jesus could come back from the dead, I have experienced something where I feel like I've woken up. In the same way that Jesus was dead and rose and there was now life, I feel like this whole time I've been walking around and I didn't realize I was just existing. I wasn't living. But when Jesus came into my life, it's like I woke up for the first time, or using phrases again, being born again. Why? Because of Jesus. And so can I put, the, I want to put the bottom line up. So here's the thing, guys, that we should not put all of our eggs inside of the Bible basket. Instead, why did the early Christians, where did they believe in? Easy. Christians believe because of who was risen, not because of what was written. That's why we believe it. Christians, since the Peter and Paul and all those early Christians, they put all of their eggs in the resurrection basket. That's what they did. 
So when they, that's why they didn't have a, the Bible. And so how were they able to survive? How were they able to do what they did? Listen, almost all of these early Christians, almost all of them suffered and they died. They were persecuted. Uh, Peter himself, Paul was beheaded. Peter was crucified upside down by Rome. And none of them flinched at death. None of them. In fact, when we look at Acts, the book of Acts, we read about the stuff that's happening to them and all that's what's going down. And each and every, oof, I'm like, I got too many eggs here. There you go. And so what happens is, what happens is, is that they go. And so what happens, you know what they pray for? They never once prayed, God, get us out of this. We actually look and one of their biggest prayers was, Lord, make us bold. Give us more boldness. They didn't pray for anything else, but just give us more boldness. How? Why? Why, when you have so many people trying to kill you and take you out, you got, you know, don't you got plans? Don't you got a career? Don't you got like a future you want to think about? I mean, why risk it all? Well, think about it, guys. I mean, would you fear death if you saw your best friend die and come back? I mean, that changes your perspective on everything. So these guys were unafraid of death because they saw a savior who conquered sin and death. Then I'm like saying, Psh, bro, if he can do that, oh, there's nothing I can't do. If God can come back from the dead, then there's nothing I can't come back from. All right? And so that's where it is. And so when you put, that's where they had their faith. All in. All your eggs belong in the Easter basket, guys. All of your eggs belong in the resurrection basket. That's what matters. In fact, I, I want you just to see the, the amazing statement of what is happening, because for some of us, it, it's hard to try to perceive. But listen, I want you to know that, that even then, there's people now today that still don't understand even how we've gotten this far. In fact, look at the, put this one quote up. This is uh, Karen Anderson, I believe. She is not a believer, not a Christian, all right? And so she is a historian and author. Here's what she says. Against all odds, all odds, by the third century, without a Bible, Christianity had become a force to be reckoned with, and we still do not really understand how this came about. This is secular scholars and thinkers that they'll tell you it's undeniable what the influence of Christ and these early church have had in revolutionizing the world unlike anything that has ever happened. And they're looking at saying, we don't get it. We are still trying to wrap our brains around just what is happening. How? How did this happen when there was no army to press this on and to push it forward? They say that if it wasn't for the explosion in those first 300 years, it wouldn't have had the traction that it did. And so something happened and there was no the Bible the whole time. Why? Because their faith was not in a book. Their faith was in a person. Their faith was in a risen Savior who they saw and got to experience. He is alive. He really, really is alive. And so I love, I love the honesty and I love the honesty that she says, we don't get what's happening here. This doesn't make sense, which I will be the first to tell you it doesn't. Okay. Hey, let me tell you something. Hey, some dude long time ago, all right, died for you. Uh, and uh, now you can go to heaven, okay? That doesn't make, it's still, even that is like, wait, what? I'm like, wh why would he, it was like, who's sin? How come? I don't know. Like, I mean, there's a lot about that that still, I get it. And so, but it, just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it's not real. Just because you might dismiss it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Because it does. 
and see these people, they realize, listen, something is happening and something has been happening in the world for 2,000 years. Why? Because something happened on that Easter Sunday. Something happened to someone. Someone who was dead woke back up again. Something happened. And because something happened, everything has changed. Because something happened to someone, everything has never been the same. And guys, I can stand here to, t- to tell you today, I mean, I'm, I stand here before you, listen, I mean, at one point, this is where mine was. I- I'll tell you, I-, I had all my eggs in this basket. I knew all the stories. I knew it all. All right, listen, I, I was a horrible student. All right, I'm, I was one just, you know, a little ADD scenario. Where I was like, wait, pay, what? I mean, I was drawing constantly, not paying attention. School, what? And so, you know, I, I remember first day of school, my parents took me, and me and my best friend, we, she took, uh, my, my dad took us to uh, kindergarten, and he dropped us off, okay, came back. And I'm like, so, what'd you think? I was like, yo, that was fun. I, my, my dad tells me, I don't remember, he tells me, he was like, oh, it was beaming. Oh, it was so much fun. I was like, good, because you're going to come back tomorrow. I'm like, what? And I was like, I got to do this again? Okay, I could do that. And then the next day, and the next day, I was like, hey, what's going on here? I was like, you know, what, what happened? I was like, they didn't explain to me. They just kept on dropping me off and then just figured out what's, what's going on. I was like, I don't like this. And so this is, no, I want to go back home. And so, you know, Nickelodeon, right, whatever. And so that's what, I, that's what I did. And so I didn't get it. I was not that good at school. But listen, but I went to a Christian school, and the only, the only class that I ever got straight A's on was in Bible class, all right? That was it. All the other ones, math, forget it. Word problems, forget that. Grammar, what? And so, you know, all that, none of it, none of it. I was a disaster. And the only reason why I knew the, I didn't have to pay attention in Bible class because I just kind of was always surrounded by it. And so I knew all of the answers, even up until I was like 17. I knew all the answers. I knew what was in it. I had read, you know, more than most. Yet there was something still, I was still felt empty though. My brain was full, but my heart was empty because I had all my faith in the wrong basket. But then, I'll tell you, I met Jesus. Maybe not in some supernatural face-to-face, I fell down, you know, glory and angels singing, you know. But I can tell you without a doubt. I can tell you without a doubt I met him. And that day, all my faith eggs went in a different basket. I was like, all right, that's why. I don't believe because I read something. I believe because I saw something. That's what the belief, that's what the early Christians said. They didn't believe because they read something. I was like, oh guys, check this out. Hey, you wanna, you know, you wanna die for something you just read? I'm like, shut up. I was like, no, go, no, who does that? Who just reads something in a blog? I'm like, yo, let's just dedicate our life to this, right? You ready to go? I'll die for this. I'm like, right, what? And so they didn't believe because they read something. They believed because they saw something. And every believer now today does the same. Any true believer believes not because of something that was written. Is because of someone that was risen, somebody that they encountered, this real, raw love. Now, yes, the scriptures are in it. I read it, but again, it pointed me to the one. It pointed me to the one who matters most. The same one. And guys, and because, and here's what the story of Easter is so important that I want us all to walk away from today is this. All right? Because something happened to someone, meaning Jesus, something happened to me. And because something happened to someone, meaning Jesus rose from the grave, that same something can happen to you, can keep on happening to you. 
And now, see, the, the beautiful part about when we look at Easter, we always know, well, we have these Easter eggs, right? And, and, and there's something unique about this Easter egg, and that we usually do this with my kids, but we haven't done it in a while because now they're older and now they'd get upset. But uh, there was always one egg that was there, and it would be empty. No candy. I was like, oh, horrible parents. I was like, I know. I was like, ah, gotcha. And I was like, whatever. But there would be one egg that was always empty. And we want to say, listen, this is the best egg. Not because there's no candy in it, because it's a symbol, it's a reminder that the tomb is empty. And, 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 and so this egg, oh, y'all can clap for that, it's okay, it makes me feel good. And eggs represent new life, right? And so that's why, you know, Easter around this time, why, why do we use eggs a lot? Well, it's springtime, new life, right? And so eggs kind of have a nice symbolism with Jesus, right? There's something's been birthed, something is new that is happening and there's new life, yet also the beautiful reminder that even this egg is empty because it's an empty tomb. And listen, we all know what it's like. We all know what it's like to feel empty. I told you I did. I knew all the, I knew everything that was in the Bible still felt empty. Some of us, we feel empty for many different reasons. Some of it, maybe it's relational. You know, there's a certain people in your life that you aren't doing what they should be doing. They're not operating in their position that they should be stepping up in. And there's a void there. Maybe you've had a parent or somebody that you really cared about that has passed on, and there's a void there. Maybe there's, a, there's an emptiness for some of you professionally. Maybe there's just an emptiness in regards to your friend. You got all the friends in the world, yet you still feel alone. You know, for some of us, you feel like I got this. There's, there's parents that I know that have emptiness syndrome, where now all the kids are gone, and now they're like, well, now we have an empty home, and what do we do with this? And our life revolved around our kids, and now I don't know what to do. And then there's others who have always had an empty home, and there's been an emptiness deep inside. We've all experienced this. We know what it's like to be empty. But what's, I love the fact, again, that Jesus, again, rose from the grave, and he left his tomb empty so that all who place their faith in him, so that he can fill your emptiness forever. You don't have to remain empty. The tomb stays empty. And because the tomb remains empty, you don't have to be. Because God is alive and he wants to step. He stepped out of that grave so he can step into your life and invite you to step into something bigger and better than you'll ever find anywhere else. And that is what matters. And when you put all of your faith in the Easter basket, you realize this was something better than you read before. And you encounter a God who is unlike no other.